Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 396. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we have the most romantic podcast of the year. I am your host, Nagin Farsad, and we are taping on Valentine's Day, where the calories are all chocolate, and where we celebrate a lesser discussed form of love, that between a podcast host and her beguiling listeners. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. So today, we are going to talk about love, the decline in dating apps, and the debunking of love languages. We'll also talk about the latest seminal case on guns and the parental duty surrounding them. And finally, should we have a new national holiday? We ask all these very important questions on today's show with just an incredible lineup of uh, panelists here. I am so happy to have both. You've heard both of these people before. We're so um Lucky to have them back on. First up, we have the creator and host of the Stacks podcast. It's a podcast about books, folks. Uh, and she is my go-to for questions about what I should read. It is the one and only Tracy Thomas. Hey, Tracy. Hi. Happy to be back. Um, Tracy, are you still in Atlanta? I've always been in Los Angeles. But and I'm you've still always there. been in Los Angeles. Got you. And you're still in Atlanta, still as I said. Still in Atlanta, um, <laughs> Angeles, Los Angeles. I don't know why I thought you were in, in Atlanta. I strongly believed in my heart that you were. Okay. <laughs> we are also joined by comedian. Uh, and man, I've seen this guy just really bring audiences to their knees in a good way. Um, he's also a panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, uh, the one one of the ones with the beloved Irish accent. Um, he also has a new album coming out called Weaponize Empathy. It's the one and only Adam Burke. Hey, Adam. Hi. Thanks for having me back, Nagin. And Adam, uh, when does this, this album come out? Uh, Friday the 23rd of February through Friday a special thing record. Folks, I mean... Look, I know <laughs> I know that I like to like hype up my my panelists because the the thing is we only have on excellent panelists. So there's I can't apologize for that. But this <laughs> album will also be excellent and you should absolutely download it on February 23rd again. It's called Weaponized em Empathy from Adam Burke. And before we launch into the show, I just want to um ask listeners a quick question. The show has traditionally come out on Thursdays. Sorry. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like we we criticize Biden for not remembering dates, and then here I am. Um, but the show has come out on Thursdays, and we're wondering if you would want to hear the show on Wednesdays for whatever reason. Um, there's a theory that Wednesdays might be a better day. And I'm not sure if that's true. So if you have a feeling about it, please reach out to me. A lot of you um, follow me on Instagram. And if you don't, you can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com, which some of you have done. Um, there's a lot of ways to get in touch. You can even get in touch with me on Twitter still. Um, so let us know, would it be any sort of a benefit to you if the podcast came out on Wednesday instead of Thursday? Otherwise, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash to support the show. And otherwise, don't forget to um, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast. All right, let's get into it with topic number one. Okay, let's talk about love. First up is the love languages issue. Now, I'm sure you guys remember that theory, right? That everyone had one of five methods of demonstrating and receiving love. Um, and those were words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, receiving gifts, or acts of service. Uh, the le- love languages have been memefied. They've been turned into jokes. I'm sure you've heard yourself saying something like, junk food on the couch is my love language. Like, I hate myself because I've definitely said stuff like that. <laughs> um, so, Oh, before I get into the huge butt that lurks here, did you guys dabble in love language belief uh, with your with your partners? I believe you're both booed up, as they say. I've only ever heard it kind of used ironically. Mm. I didn't know until you sent me that thing today. I didn't know that someone had like written these down and gone. Yeah. I've I've solved relationships. Bye, and <laughs> jumped into a well. <laughs> <laughs> right, and wow. he, and also interestingly, the person who who wrote it, the the book, and the came up with the five love languages, is a preacher, um, which I right. al- didn't realize until today either that he comes from the you know from a church and from that tradition. Uh, Tracy, did you dabble in love languages? Definitely more than Adam, but never really seriously because I think like a friend of mine told me about it, and then I thought about myself for you know, 10 minutes as you do when you find out about these things. And I thought, I don't, I really like all of these things. I don't know that I have a dominant love language. And so I think I just sort of was like, "Mm, not for me. Right. So um, here's the but that we all knew was coming. (laughs) Research from the University of Toronto and York University are debunking the theory altogether. And it's been around for 30 years. Like people have been saying love language, which which is why, Adam, you probably felt like it was just like a joke. Mm. Um, And but it but but it's, you know, it was sort of backed by this like pseudoscience or whatever. That's just like theorizing of this guy. Um, and what they found um, in this study was that, like the the original claim was that if you understood your partner's love language, it would lead to a more successful relationship. But the researchers found that there's actually little evidence that it does foster better relations, which I I find that interesting um, because it does seem to follow that if you know how your partner likes to be loved that I'm blushing saying on all of these words for the record. Um, that if you if you know how your partner likes to be loved, um, then you then they would be happier with you. I don't know. What do you uh, Tracy does is are I you mean, surprised that this is all crap and garbage? I'm not surprised that it's all crap and garbage. Not not for one second. But I do think that I'm I'm wondering like what techniques they used to try to prove or disprove this, because it seems like, yes, if you do something that you know your partner likes or you talk to your partner in a way that you know they like it, I would assume that that feels nice for your partner. But I wonder like how they decided if it was a word of affirmation or if it was an act of service and like how they like, I'm just curious about the methods behind it to debunk it or or to prove it. Because I don't know if you're nice to your partner. Like if my husband's nice to me at all, I'm like, great, I love you. Even if it's not my personal (laughs) preferred method of being loved, 
I'm like, thank, thank you. I love the attention. Um, well, so, and, and that's actually Trace. Yeah, go ahead, Adam. I was going to say, does he love how low your bar is for? Yes. <laughs> for, <laughs> yes. That's his love language. Do. Is don't expect is. anything from me. <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that they've actually discredited about it is that you know it comes from this slightly patriarchal model, um, and obviously very um, you know um, heterosexual. You know, it's it it's a very white religious. Right. Um, heterosexual model that the, the, the thing, the love languages were developed in. And one of the things that I, forget, forgetting all that, one of the things I just really didn't, I feel like isn't re- reflected at all is that what you're talking about, Tracy, is like, what I think what what I love is when my partner just like does stuff around the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like does chores and child care that would be called acts of service in the five love languages oh that's right that is acts of service i just think i just don't understand like how you prove it or you don't prove it like and how you really delineate like if i'm happier in my relationship because my husband said nice things to me versus like took out the trash versus like bought me flowers like i don't i don't know that i'm happier or less happy i hope there was a stage of the study where they used mice yeah (laughs) (laughs) i I will say one of my one of my love languages is empirically debunking pseudoscience and quackery so if you have nailed the phone number for any of these researchers i would love to get in touch Oh my god well here's another one i wonder if you guys have heard of the orange peel theory have you heard of it no just just today when you said yeah. okay thing. so the or yeah so the orange peel theory i'll let you know what it is um it's about performing tiny acts of service which again i'm not sure is taking out the garbage a tiny act of service or is it like a, a real big act of service um and f- the example they use is peeling an orange. So like, oh, I feel like an orange. And then your spouse peels it for you, whatever. Um, that, it, the, according to orange peel theorists, <laughs> it they think that it reveals so much about their attitude towards you and your relationship that they would basically peel this orange for you. And I just want to say about my parents and their gajillion year relationship, uh, my dad regularly peels oranges for my mom. Wow. <laughs> and it never the other way around. That is like the like a main way that he shows his love is by peeling oranges for my mom. What if he just really loves cute. peeling so oranges? To it. Like what, <laughs> is that, what if that's like his surgeon? Like he's like, don't peel my orange for me. Nagin's mom. I feel no, the oranges. For real, he's a he's a surgeon, so his orange peeling is like a whole production. Mm. Like it's very very precise, and there's like patterns and lines. Does he and always it's a whole... does he always hand the peel off to a nurse? <laughs> <laughs> take take that and get that tested. He's always using the word stat, you know, when he's peeling it. Um, all right. So let's move on to another issue in the love verse uh, dating before apps. We do, before we do, I do think we yes. should point out that orange peels are not the only peel. Just to par- paraphrase Jeanette Winterson, I think. <laughs> Just uh, if you don't like oranges. <laughs> That's true. Okay, true. Um, so... Dating apps are in decline. Um, Bumble's founder stepped down. There are lower than expected earnings from uh, Match, OkCupid, Hinge, Tinder. um, And there's apparently a rise in meeting people through shared friends at bars, at restaurants and in hobbies. In other words, what was done for generations before the Internet? Now, I guess for such an online generation, what do you make of this decline? I actually truly thought it was surprising because it feels like people are more and more and more and more and more online than less in any sector. So I was buoyed by this, but also surprised. What do you think, Adam? Uh, Are we allowed to swear on this? Absolutely. Okay. So do you think maybe just everybody's fucked everybody else already? (laughs) Like that's just, it's everyone's gone, ah, fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> they've, they've gotten, they've all gotten to the end of Tinder. 
Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. No. Like that's what the goal of Tinder is to finish Tinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the sad thing is, like we've talked about in previous segments on the decline of actual sex having, um, they have mm. not fucked all of Tinder. And that's right. maybe, but the uh, there's oh, there's just so many contradictions here. Here's one of them, which is that like the, people are saying that dating websites have led to the, um, in fact, Dion Black, who's a sex educator and a dating coach, said that um, that it, is, it has accelerated casual dating and hookup culture, which I get, which doesn't make sense because it's also led to a decline in people actually having sex. Like the amount of sex having has gone down, but then it, there's an acceleration of casual dating and hookup culture. Why do those things, those stats don't make sense together? But Tracy, can you make sense of any well, of it? Well, I think maybe what what you just said is that people are having less sex, but when they are having sex, it's casual hookups, not in relationships. That's how I would maybe try to make those two things oh, how track. You would write. Like okay. if you're having Th- sex, thank it's you. just thank like, you. like out, out after a, a swiping moment on Tinder. I think this is like fantastic. I love that the dating apps are down. I think it's great. I think it's great that people are connecting Agreed. with people again in person. Um, I, you know, I love that people, so many of my friends found their partners, um, on dating apps. So it's nothing against the dating apps, but I do love going out to a bar and seeing people interacting for the first time. Or like, I love watching that song and dance. So it's entertaining for me personally on a very, uh, micro level. Um, but I, I mean, I think the pandemic probably the article said like the pandemic helped make this possible because people really are like dying for connections now and they want to be around people. Um, But a friend of mine, we were just talking about the apps like this past weekend and they were saying how they just much prefer having one degree of real life connection, even if it's like, oh, this random person Mm. I know told me, like told my friend, whatever. But it's just like to have someone vouch for another human in even the smallest of ways or like being able to see the person in real life and just knowing like they're not stinky or whatever is really (laughs) exciting if you're in the dating pool. So I think that might also have something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I can't disagree with I mean, I can't agree with you more. (laughs) I can't agree with you more. I love that this is happening. And in fact, yesterday, it was a snow day here in New York City. And I walked into this cafe. And this, you know, there was this handsome barista. And he was like having a chat with this girl, lady, whatever. She was like 20. They're both like 20. Um, So she's still a girl. And they were like talking (laughs) about she's new to town, whatever. And she's like, and he's like, Oh, you should go to Central Park and see like the kids sledding and stuff like that. And then they started talking about music for some reason. And then they discovered that they each have like the same taste and obscure like British hip hop. And so <laughs> like and then they were just like Were they bonding over the fact that you were obviously eavesdropping on them? <laughs> were they, you know what I hate? I hate when someone stares at us for I, well, 15 I minutes. Also, completely. I mean, I was also, I, because I was like, it's, I was like, you know, bedraggled and snow laden. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm like hardcore yeah. listening to you guys right now. And <laughs> like, I, it took all of me not to what, before I walk out to say like, I hope you guys fuck later. You're both really handsome. Like make this happen. <laughs> like I really wanted to say that, but I knew that it was wrong completely. And that I would be a crazy, that crazy lady lady but um and I was just like oh I hope that they do and that there's like this is what it should be all the time this thing this this excitement of like a chat about obscure British rappers um so I don't know (laughs) anyways the decline of dating apps uh and I'm Tracy I'm actually like so you feel like you're seeing it more I do people in in I do like out at dinner I mean I don't know if it's a first date I don't know how people met but I definitely feel like I'm seeing dating in the world a little bit happening which Tracy, it, Tracy, if there was a TV channel called First Dates, I would watch that every day. Oh God, yes, I love a first date in a bar. Yeah, and I, lo- I also love, I also love how, like, I gotta say, having worked in bars for a long time, like, I would say. 80% like in, in heterosexual relationships 80% of the complaints women have about men are absolutely correct mm-hmm. <laughs> like the amount of times you see like a, a woman she's there she's 15 minutes early and she's like like everything's on point she's like reapplying her makeup and then this tornado of garbage like sweeps in <laughs> through the door 25 minutes late he's still got like an Xbox controller around his neck yeah. oh, no. and he's just, 
and he asked her to buy him a drink. It's just like, like you should, if you work in that bar, you should be allowed to shoot those people on sight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just drag them up. You should at least be able to go, this date is over, yeah. I'm sorry. You don't yeah. deserve her. No, you no, you should be, you should be an, <laughs> yeah, you should yeah. be able to be an arbiter. I mean, that is, that's, yeah. I love that. I mean, having been on a gajillion um, internet dates myself, like it is true or some, sometimes you're like, I don't even know why you walked out of your apartment like that. Never mind walking out of your apartment to go <laughs> on a date like yeah, right, you should right. increase everything that you do tenfold if it's a date i mean yeah. is this the best so i don't know it is it is a <laughs> wild world out there and 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 folks and again the numbers are showing it 79 percent say of college and graduate age students um say that they're not using uh dating apps and in 2019 that number was l- more like uh less than 50 percent were not were not using them so th- these wow. are like some serious changes in the the dating scape folks let me know are you out there dating more like ha- is this does this reflect you um i'm so curious and i and yeah and i think we just pitched a new show it's called first dates and that's all we do long <laughs> awkward each day it's like in real time very few edits you yeah. know you're just like fully just watching it happen um i and, feel and like we get to score it right yeah. we get to yes. score each participant yes and there's like a running tally at the bottom of the <laughs> oh that I, w- I would could totally i would watch that for days as well all right <laughs> folks let's move on um and hear from our sponsors and then when we come back we are going to get into more show. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by AuraFrames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an AuraFrame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these AuraFrames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an AuraFrame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. 
to unsubscribe. You don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the apps features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. So um, so I wanted to talk about the Jennifer Crumley gun case. She is the parent of a teenage mass shooter um, responsible for four deaths in a Michigan high school. And um, as the parent, Crumley was convicted of four counts of involuntary manslaughter last week. And this feels like a really seminal case. Um, the idea that we should be holding parents accountable. Did you think it was fair for her to be put on trial in this way? Because I think that is really the heart of the question. Like, how much responsibility do you think she bears? Uh, Tracy, uh, we'll start with you. Okay. I ha Can I give a slight, like preamble to this because I, you know this is like such a fun show and we talk about like silly fun stuff but to me this is like extremely serious and I have to tell you even when you yeah. sent this topic over I was like I I have like I'm like sweating like I'm like I don't feel good talking yes. about it so I just no. want to because I am like a very strong prison and police abolitionist I feel very strongly that in the United States it's way too much prosecution it's way too much aggressive like the child who did the shooting which obviously horrible like my nightmare, of course. He was 15 and he was just sentenced to life in prison without the life, possibility yeah. of parole. So we're talking yeah. about, you know, a system that is taking children and saying they're never going to be like able to be rehabilitated, even though that's not what our system does. But so I just want to kind of preface this with I'm not going to have a lot of hot jokey takes on this one but oh no <laughs> and and just and for and um and you know l listeners know like oftentimes topic number two is is about politics and sometimes it'll be something that's just like tough and yeah and this and is and a it's tough funny because I did I did I didn't know if we should talk about it but it just also felt like I'm so confused yeah. about it that I wanted to talk about it myself as a parent and totally. as a citizen. Totally. You know what I mean? I agree. I mean, I think so we should talk is, about it. But so my 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 thinking of it is, what is that, your position? is yeah. that this is a really slippery slope. I think this is a really scary idea. And I think that if the if the reason that you prosecute the parent in a case like this is because someone else should be responsible for what happens, I think we really should be looking at talking about the gun laws in this country because one of the things that she was held, held responsible for was that the gun wasn't locked up. But at the time of the shooting, there wasn't a law in Michigan that said the gun needed to be locked up if you had a minor in the house. Right. So I think that, and I think also in this case, these are white people, but it becomes a question of like, when it becomes black children or poor children or, or brown children and parents are being held accountable. And then you get into these systems of child separation when we talk about like who's fit to be a parent and how that goes. And we just have a really bad history of that in this country. And so in this case, I think it people are able to look at it and be like, oh, this is just a one-off for a mass shooting. But I'm really concerned that, you know, what about if something happens with like gun violence, let's say, and there's a black kid who something terrible happens there, they commit a crime, and then the parents are getting locked up because they maybe are in a gang. And then you're not fit to be a parent. You didn't know your kid was in a gang. You know, I just think it gets really icky. And so I feel very yeah. not good about this. Um, and I feel very not good about the just general over prosecution of of people. And I don't think that like two people like I don't think that this woman is responsible, even if she was a terrible parent, which it sounds like she totally missed a lot of things and like was yeah. awful. But on principle, I'm against this idea. And if we want to prosecute people, let's prosecute the gun makers and manufacturers and the, the gun lobbies that are making it impossible to hold anyone truly accountable for what's happening. But that's just me. Yeah. Adam, like one of the things that I think 
you know, just reading different pieces about this struck me was the idea, the slippery slope idea, which is that like, where does negligence begin and end? Uh, For example, if a family is homeless, would um, would the parents be responsible? Would the parents be negligent parents because the family is homeless, let's say, for for reasons beyond their control? You know, the parent lost a job and then, you know, things snowballed from there. Um, where where do you land on this? I was I was weirded out by the idea um, of like defining negligence in that way when there's so many factors to consider. I, I mean, I, I think uh, Tracy kind of covered it pretty well. I think that the thing with slippery slope solutions is people like them because the slope always goes down. It never goes up right. to like the start of the slope, right? And it's like they understand that when something like this happens that the society or the community has this big ball of anger. And they're like, where can we put this anger where it doesn't affect my re-election chances it doesn't affect yeah like that is that like like you said the 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 notion of the fact that no gun company has ever been successfully uh sued sued even that they won't even they won't even take the case is insane so they're just like oh the parent is the easiest thing and it, it and you can tell that it kind of like ties into this overweening thing where they go well, the parents, it's the parents should be responsible for everything. Sex education, gun education, blah, 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 blah. And that therefore, therefore we as the state have no responsibility to anyone and like our hands are always clean. So it's like right. it's a very kind of cheap way of doing it. But it's like, okay, but if the parents are always responsible, you have to put parents in a place where they can like parents have to be safe. They have to have food security. They have to have, you know what I mean? They have like yeah. if someone has a gun, they don't feel secure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's why there's a reason that that exists. So um, in, again, in, in some just, cases, I mean, gun, yeah. there's also the world of like, you know, guns that are just purely for hunting and right. there's like a, like right. a fun element and it's not a security right. element at all. Um, but right. for, by the way, 40% of people in Michi- Michigan are gun owners, 40% of adults. And you're right, Tracy, they didn't have the rule about safe gun keeping, which is interesting because it's one of those rules where you're like, one of those laws where you're like, oh, I didn't realize we had to like do a law for this. But like, obviously, we have to have a law for this because not everybody's doing it. And it's not in the gun maker's best interest to spend any more money making these things difficult to use or whatever, like childproofing them or whatever it is. They're not, you know, there's no, there are very few laws about all of those things because of this, are are like tiptoeing around the Second Amendment. Um, And by the way, now I think as of literally yesterday, maybe the law did go into effect in Michigan for safe gun keeping. Right. Um, but then you're like, oh, my God, that should have been a fucking law forever. Like, it, but also, how did we why did that need to be a law? It's pretty fucking obvious. You know what I mean? So there's so many there's so many things there. And I think also, Adam, one you know, the th- you know, the thing you're talking about is like a sister to the um, abortion law. Like, the, you know, I've mentioned on the show that one of my friends who's, uh, you know, an evangelical Christian. She's one of my best friends from forever. And she is not a fan of abortion at all. But she she has become pro-choice because she's like, we don't give people the support they need for having children. So we cannot expect, you know, so we can't take this right away from them unless we have those supports in place. And so um, so I feel like that 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 makes total sense to me. Um, can I, I don't know. Sorry, can I give a final, book recommendation yeah, for, about yes. guns and children? Um, you know, I'm <laughs> book book podcast. Um, there's a book that came out, I think, in 2021 or 2022 called Children Under Fire. Uh, I think the author's name is John Woodrow Cox. And it's all about gun violence in schools, but it's not just about mass shootings. It's about like when kids bring guns to school or in certain neighborhoods where there's a shooting outside of the school that's totally unrelated and how that affects children. But he talks a lot about like what's going on legally with politicians, as well as the effects that these events have on children and their parents and their communities. And it's just the the beginning of the book is really hard to get into. Like it's very emotional. It'll make you sort of have a stomach ache. Um, but 
deeper the deeper you go into it, it, it gets a little more like intellectual and, and legal and, and, and political as opposed to like emotional. But it's really fantastic for folks who want a better understanding of sort of what is legal and illegal and what's going on and how it's affecting young people and their families on a much more, you know, personal level. Um, I will I will say one thing, which is what I wonder if if there's a silver lining to cases like this, that it does act as a deterrent for parents who are gun owners in sometimes just being like, we're not going to have it in the house. I just can't take that risk. Or if we're going to have it in a house, it's going to be under 45 different, you know, safe locks. I was wondering if there's another silver lining where rather than like make them more personally responsible, they will realize that the can is being kicked down the road. And that maybe they won't vote for people who are just like, you know, it's all on you and there's yeah. no. And because like every there's so many cases and we keep seeing it where like the argument against reasonable gun control is that there are red flag laws in place. And the amount of times those red flag laws just haven't worked. And I think in this case, the school had a red flag. And it's like if someone buys this gun was bought as a gift, like the red flag yeah. law doesn't cover that. And the fact that there are so many things that this, you know, this these laws supposedly catch and they just don't, even when they're working correctly, they don't catch it. So I think like maybe, um, yeah, it might have the thing of making people more personally responsible, but also it might make people think about where the responsibility ultimately lies in a bigger system. Folks, I feel like we did difficult topic number two. <laughs> we were, I mean, do you I'm have so any final thoughts, out. Tracy? I'm so stressed I out. Know. I know. It's so hard. It's just such a. It's just such yeah. a complicated topic. And I know that. Like, I asked my husband last night before. I was like, "What do you think about this?" Before I told him what I thought, and he was like, "I think it's good that they prosecuted her." And then I was like, "I think you're wrong." But I do understand why people <laughs> why people might think that it is good, and like on the face, it does feel good because it does feel like you know America's upset with punishment. So it does feel like someone is being held responsible. I just don't I just don't feel good about who's being responsible and how. Right. Um and I I also, you know, I just I think it's really complicated and I think it it's not even complicated. I just think it's really upsetting. It's a really upsetting topic yeah. and like nobody wants it's kids really, to be killed. I, I, I I want to say, too, that my husband also thought it was good that she was prosecuted because he was like, we don't prosecute anyone for anything about these mass shootings, except for, you know what I mean, when it comes to right. the larger question of why they're happening. And so if, we, you know, maybe this is maybe we need to send this kind of message to parents right. because what the fuck, you know. Right. And then I also so I, I totally get that position. And then I also felt as a parent, you know, um, I was I saw I heard or something maybe on NPR, like some stats on how little parents really understand about what's going on in their children. That's lives. what I was going to say. <laughs> which yeah. which makes me insane, right. sad, so yeah. scared, and feel just horrible that they're, my kid's five, so I have a pretty good handle on what's going on, but I know <laughs> she'll get older and there are things I'm not going to know. Right. And oh my God, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm yeah. so I'm it, you. You don't even if you're a good person, if you're, you're a good parent, if you have the best of intentions. I right. mean, so I just think it's. I, I do, think this yeah. one is particularly wild to me when I think about like police officers who have who are professionally trained to handle guns and handle like intense situations who aren't prosecuted and aren't held responsible. And then we have this case where it's like, yes, the mother maybe should have known, and the school did call and they did buy him the gun. And I just sort of still feel like. It is a reach for me. It's a reach. It's it's not good parenting, but I don't know if it's up to 19 years in prison parenting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like to right. me, because that's right. what she's facing. Just as a yeah. as a contrast, yeah. um, like in Britain, um, in Britain you can own certain guns. You, can, you can't really own handguns, but you can own like rifles and stuff like that. But in order to own a gun in Britain, you have to have a um, like a safe for it, and then and you have to subscribe to a group. And then once a year, someone comes by and checks your safe. Wow! And it's like, really? <clears throat> yes, yes. And someone comes by and checks that and checks that the guns and the ammo are stored correctly. <laughs> and now I know that that is anathema to a lot of American gun owners. But surely, between the system we have here yeah, yeah. and that system, there's, there's a... got to be somewhere even a little in the yeah, middle yeah. where it's not just like. 
pistols on the fridge. Yes, you know? right. Yes, right. Exactly. No, and, I, yeah. I, I knew, I, I, I heard about their gun laws, and I didn't realize that the, there was like that safe check um, yearly. I yeah. mean, I love that. I love uh, it. Mm-hmm. I, I would right. also watch that uh, the, the, the safe installation <laughs> in a home as right. a TV show. Right. Uh, if anyone's right. out there interested in doing that, love that idea. Um, Tracy, you had a final thought? No, just would love stricter gun laws in general. (laughs) If anybody wants more (laughs) gun related book recommendations, I have so many for you. I'm like, I'm just sitting here thinking like, you should read this, you should read that. So if you want them, you can come find me on the internet. I'm happy to share all of my gun related and mass shooting and, and related maybe we'll reads. get a, a, a few of those um, and I'll post them on uh, on my Instagram yeah. for listeners too. Totally. Um, totally. To, I have, a, to I have a, final, a final question on this topic is when you both disagreed with your partners over the issue, did you cut the tension by asking them to peel an orange for you? <laughs> I actually threw an orange in my partner's face and said, get the fuck out of here. I don't want your bullshit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let us move on to topic number three. Okay. We're going to talk about the possibility of a new national holiday because every year after the Super Bowl, people call in sick because obviously they're hungover. And the question has become on the Internet. Should there be a national day off? Um, Now, Adam, you've worked in bars. You've probably seen a couple Super Bowls in your day. Uh, What do you what's your position on this? Um, There should be a day off but it should only be for people who work in bars or supermarkets. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. Tracy? Uh, we all need a day off. We all do. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> President's Day is the next weekend now. They've pushed President's Day, so, or they pushed the F- Super Bowl so close to President's Day. Let's combine it. This year, the day after was Ooh. February 12th. Isn't that actually Lincoln's birthday or whatever? Like, let's just make this happen. Right here, the day after Super Bowl is a holiday. Also, if you don't celebrate the Super Bowl, you can celebrate President's Day. I personally don't celebrate the presidents, so I would be much happier to celebrate day after <laughs> right. eating a lot of Fritos holiday. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you're hungover, you buy your mattresses on sale yeah. or whatever. It's a combo and holiday. Then, Choose your own adventure. Yes, combo. I like, well, the, my, my other question is, why does this have to be on a Sunday? Why isn't it on Saturday? On, football's on Sunday. College football's on no, Saturday. But why? That's that makes me annoyed. Mm, well. It's dumb, and it's no one said that has to be the case. Who? Why? Who? Who said that? It's on like football. Jesus, is on did Sunday. Jesus yeah. say it's a day of rest and football? Yeah. Like what happened? Football <laughs> is on Sunday because this is for the longest time. This was a majority Christian country, and they realized it was the one Sabbath day that that religion really doesn't give a shit about. Like we're the ones <laughs> that don't really keep to our Sabbath, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, we can have football. At, you know, yeah. Uh, all right. I don't know. I also feel that <laughs> the day after Halloween, if we're going to give a handout, because I don't like football, I don't care, and I don't watch it. So what about the day after Halloween? Because I feel like everyone has like been out. Either you're a parent yeah. and you've just been exhausted by the whole thing with costumes and your kid and all that, and you just need a day to recover, or you're okay, uh, a I'm gonna kid push back and you just want to be with your candy. I'm going to push back. Mm-hmm. As a parent of young children... I want my kids the fuck out of my house the day after Halloween. I, you are, you're all drugged out on the sugar. You've been up later than you should be. You're crabby. You're cranky. You still got glitter in you're your right. hair. I'm like, get to school. If Halloween fell on a Friday, I would be like, nope, I'm sorry. You got to go to school on Saturday. I want nothing to do with my kids the day after Halloween. So I'm like, send them to school. They're little preschool teachers who gave them candy at school. They can deal with it. So I'm like, go away from me. That's also that's also a fair position as yes, that's a fair position. I don't want to deal with more childcare issues no. on the day no. after Halloween where uh, neat, obviously business would still be open. Yeah. And I think a lot of I think a lot of partners feel the exact same way about the Super Bowl. Oh, get out it's of like my you, house. Your team lost. <laughs> you you cried into the potato salad. You made a, yeah. you made a fool of yourself. Go to work. Yeah. This is <laughs> As an immigrant, do you have a team, Adam? A football team? Yeah. No, no. I I watch I watch uh, football, football. Who's your football, soccer. football okay. team? Uh, I don't. Arsenal. Ooh, I'm a city girl myself. 
All right. Oh, Man City? Yes, sir. Now, how recently have you... Now, how recently? So, I am recent. I'm recent completely to EPL. So, I'm all over recent. I did... I started as an Arsenal fan just for fun because my brother was a big City fan. But then it was more fun for our whole family to root for the same team. So, we all came over to City in 2020. So, these are like not real. has been winning everything. I know. But to be fair to myself, for my American sports, I'm all my local teams and they have all had horrible, horrible losing lifetimes. Including my 49ers <laughs> that just lost the Super Bowl for the third time in a new and excruciating way on Sunday. So I'm I'm no stranger to loss, but it was very fun to win the treble and be like, I care about this. <laughs> Come is, there, is there a celebrity? <laughs> is there a celebrity that a 49ers quarterback could be dating that would have like brought the heat on for the 49ers? Do you mean like because you're accrediting Taylor like, well, Swift? Who is with- the who is a tail? Yeah, I'm. I I just feel like there was a there was like a thing in the air that like the Chiefs had to win because of Taylor Swift. Well, to be fair to the Chiefs <laughs> like if, and Chiefs fans, yeah. they had won the Super Bowl the year before, and they'd gone to the AFC Champions six out of or the last six years straight. So they were actually already um, really good, and she did nothing to help them. Okay, but, Tracy, let's be honest. It was Taylor Swift. <laughs> I just I just feel like as a fan of sports, if that was my team and people were like. Oh, she did it. I would be like, I'm going to fucking kill you because I have watched this team <laughs> rise from the ashes. And Patrick Mahomes, he did it. Even after Tyreek yeah. Hill left, he still was able to do it. Like, I I would be very upset. But anyways, okay. Brock Purdy can date whoever he wants. Um, okay, we're going to end this segment with a quick question about Jay Leno. Uh-huh. Um, Jay Leno has made the news this week because... He says he's staying away from politics now in his stand up. He says, I don't think we get enough of uh, I think we get enough of everybody's opinions. It's nice to hear a singer just sing or comedian just be funny. Adam, does he have a point? Um, <laughs> I don't know if he does. Um, I mean, who, who is I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. It's very easy to shit on Jay Leno. At the end of the day, he's been doing stand up for like 50 years. Yeah, like, that's that's. You know, that's an achievement in and of itself. I don't think anyone... Yeah, it's impressive. I don't think anyone was really going to Leno for his hot <laughs> takes on the 14th Amendment right. anyway. So I don't think... Um, I, I know... I sort of know what he's saying. I'll say this. I think if you come out out the gate and your personality is, I'm into politics... The audience will eventually come around. They will eventually see the you through the politics. But if you sort of start out broader and then you switch politics, if you go hard politics, they will... I know what he's saying, that there is that gear shift and they're like, I didn't sign up for this. But if you are really speaking yourself as a comic, as you're supposed to, your politics will come through and they will accept it. Like I have, I have like, I approach pro-choice jokes in my act. They do not seem like a, they don't start off. I don't go, let's talk about abortion. Right. But then at the end of it, it turns into, this is a pro-choice joke. You know what I mean? So it's like, as I think that you, you know, all politics is personal, right? Or all politics right. is local. So it's sort of like, I think it comes through, but I know, I do agree with what he's saying. If you suddenly go, let's talk about the midterms, then, you know, Audiences almost feel betrayed sometimes. Yeah, and also it seems like if you, it's it feels almost like a little bit of a luxury that he doesn't feel moved by anything. It, that it doesn't. None of this affects his own life so much so that it doesn't appear in a joke ever. Do you know what I mean? It feels yeah, like exactly. well, that must yeah. be. Yeah, that's so. That must be really nice for you, Jay Leno. What do you think, Tracy? <laughs> Literally, that was my thought. I was like, this is giving old white straight white guy like it's giving I don't have to do politics and so I shan't be doing politics but like I'm I'm not huge into stand-up it is a just very uncomfortable for me as an audience member. I just really don't like it. But you're like talking to two stand up comedians, but we're not taking it personal. Don't take it personal. I just for what it's worth. It's also uncomfortable for us. No, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're it's all, also we're, uncomfortable. We also hate our lives. Okay. I took a class in college where I had to do stand up comedy, and I gave myself diarrhea because I was so stressed out about it. So it's just like very <laughs> triggering for me. I just don't like it. That being said, when I do watch stand up comedy, very rarely. 
I only like the political jokes. I'm only in it for people who have a political opinion. I do not think it's funny necessarily. Like, like the what is it? The, the, the joke that everybody talks about from like when I was coming up, the hot pocket joke. Not funny to me. Yeah, like, I yeah, just yeah, like, I don't care that you burned your mouth. But like, I get it. I can relate. But like, I don't need a whole <laughs> bit on it. So for me, I'm just like, Jay Leno is just probably not my kind of comedian. I want, I want your abortion joke. I want your positioning in the world <laughs> joke. I'm a black woman. Like I want, I want your black joke. Like I want that. I don't want Jay Leno's black jokes, but like I want black people's black jokes. And like, <laughs> you know, so for me, but again, I'm, I'm not the target audience and I understand what he's saying. I just feel like it's, it's giving privilege. Well, I, w- I will say though, to push back a little bit, Tracy, that like one of the things we learned, we had a Financial Times uh, reporter on the show last week, and she said that like, you know, she shared the numbers basically for the Financial Times and political coverage gets is getting like the worst traffic like there it's not doing well compared to i mean the, it's sort of been replaced by war coverage per- particularly but people are like but not that's as political interested, i think because well yeah that's <laughs> that is political but just like in terms of they don't people don't necessarily want to read about um the the stressful political stuff right because it's stressing them out and right. they've there maybe been they maybe did too much of it for like several years you know what i mean so i can see jay leno's point of like i start to lose people if i say things because they're maybe tired of all of it right and there are so many shows that like came and went you know hassan minaj had that patriot act show and like sarah silverman had that show like there were so many shows that came and went i think because because we were then saturated right i wonder also like how he defines political because like you said like the political is personal so for me i move in a world where almost everything I do and say is somehow considered political because I'm black. Whereas like for Jay Leno, (laughs) he probably gets to define political as like, I don't want to talk about the election. Right. And like, I don't know that I want like election jokes, but like racism jokes or like police jokes, all that stuff like that is very political to me. But he probably doesn't even venture even close to that world. So, you know, who knows what like I'm hearing what you're saying about the Financial Times and if the war stuff is getting a lot of traffic, but politics isn't that maybe like politics means specifically like midterm elections and whatever Joe Biden's up to. I was just going to say, given that his car collection probably contributes to like 70% of global warming, <laughs> like you'd think that he would have. <laughs> oh, all right, folks. That is the end of the show. Man, you guys are so delightful. And I want everyone in the Fake the Nation universe to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Tracy Thomas, where do they do that? I'll just give you one place. You can go on your podcast app and find The Stacks. You'll see my Converse sneakers and a stack of books. That's how you'll know at the right place. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And also, I guess, Instagram, at The Stacks Pod. That's all you need. Adam, where do they find you? Find me on Instagram, ATP Burke. Uh, on Instagram and I'll have all my show dates and all that kind of good stuff. And then what, what, why don't you remind us about your album? Oh, uh, it'll be, it's coming out on a special thing records. It'll be on all the streaming platforms on February the 23rd. It's called weaponized empathy. And I hope you like it. Uh, I cannot wait for this album and I'm sure everyone will love it. Folks, you know where to find me and all the things that I do. Um, and again, let us know would a day change in the dropping of the pod be better for you or mean nothing to you let me know uh, where we're thinking of having it come out on wednesdays instead of thursdays uh and also don't forget to go to patreon.com slash farsad to support the show you can do that for as little as four dollars a month and uh, I want to thank everyone who makes this show a possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire. Um, thanks to Gabby Alter for writing our theme music. Thanks to everyone at HeadGum for making the show a possibility. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, you can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. And otherwise, we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.